Yeah, I know. Oh, there we go. Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We are so glad that you are here today, that you've joined us here on this beautiful October Sunday. Can you believe it? Praise God for where we live. Would you please stand with us and let's praise God together. Thank you. 
is a perfect song to go along with the message today from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount, in our continuing series there. Uh, it is so sweet to trust in Jesus. But you know what? It's easy to trust in Jesus when, you, when I drive over that bridge and I see Coronado. It's so beautiful and everything's so nice and the weather's amazing. What about if you were in Jerusalem today? What about if you were in Tel Aviv? What about if you were in the Gaza Strip? What about if you were in Ukraine today? It's, it's harder to trust when things are falling apart and the wheels are coming off and you're going through it. But I, I pray for Israel every day. I hope you will I pray for the innocence in Palestine, the innocence in Gaza Strip, the innocence in uh, the West Bank, but I pray that God would enable Israel <clears throat> to do what they need to do, to be able to survive as a nation and protect their people uh, and, and to eradicate the existential threat that is there. So let's, first thing this morning, let's pray for what's going on in our world. Father, this is such a troubled world and it shouldn't surprise us. The further that society gets away from you, the further that our country gets away from you, the more difficult things become for everyone. And Father, the more awful things can happen. And I pray that, God, you would be with your people Israel right now. And Lord, I know they're in spiritual darkness, <clears throat> but Lord, I know that you, for whatever reason, because of your sovereignty, chose them and chose to bless them and chose the blessed nations that bless them. So God, in a very real way, their very existence is under threat right now. And we pray that you would come alongside them that you would protect them, that you would give them ultimate victory. And Lord, we do look forward to the day when there'll be no more wars or rumors of wars, when we will turn the swords into plowshares and pruning hooks. But until that day, God, be our peace. Help us to trust you no matter what. And Lord, whatever happens in the next few days, weeks, months, you're still God, you're still on the throne. We still love you and we still thank you for loving us. We pray in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you. Go ahead and be seated, if you would. Let me give you a couple of special announcements. But first of all, before we do, uh, a welcome to our first-time guests. And I've got a special friend right over here, uh, Boomer Blungren. I uh, last saw him 21 years ago when he came home from the war zone that was going on then. And uh, he was driving by on a Sunday morning and said, I think I'll go to church. Now, he lives in Oklahoma. He's an oaky. Uh, no, he's kind of, he cringed. He's from here. So there you go. But good to have you here, Boomer. And anyone else who's visiting, I know I've met a couple back here. If you're visiting for the first time, please take one of these connection cards out of the seat backs in front of you. Fill it out. And if you fill it out and turn it in, you, how do you turn it in? You can give it to me. You can give it to the sound crew. You can put it in the tithe and offering box by the double doors as you leave. Uh, but if, if I get this and we have the information, we will send you a Starbucks card in appreciation for your being here today. Thank you, and we hope that you will come back and see us again very soon. <clears throat> uh, Announcement-wise, uh, today, Sermon on Mount, Part 9, Wholeness. <clears throat> we have several things happening. We have a, a military meal that we feed all of the military, active military, on the patio at, right after church service. We also have a teacher worker meeting that will be going on in here. Thank you for signing up for that, and I will need uh, two or three guys to bring in three round tables than to set them up here in the front. Do I, have, do I have three volunteers that would do that? There's two right here. Three. Okay, thank you guys. So the round tables, set them up right down here in the front, and they will have lunch here. Trustees are going to meet in the adult classroom right after church. You will not have lunch there. I'm sorry. You, you can gnaw on a pencil or something while we're in there. <clears throat> Last this coming Saturday is the last men's prayer breakfast of the year because in December, guys, we're going to serve the ladies at their December tea. Uh, and next Sunday, several things too. Uh, time change Sunday, so the clocks fall back. Um, so make sure you make that change. Sermon on the Mount, part 10, to judge or not to judge. You're going to want to hear this message, I believe. To judge or not to judge. One of the most misunderstood verses in the entire Bible judge not lest you be judged. <clears throat> also, Sarah Urban will be here with Young Life here in the island, Coronado, and I think she also uh, works with Imperial Beach on that. Uh, teens will have their Sunday school class meeting, and we have communion, Lord willing, next Sunday morning. So all those things going on. Christmas 
tea tickets are on sale out front at the table. They're $25 each. We need ladies, we need, as, as of a few minutes ago, we still need one more lady who will host the table. And all that means is you will uh, decorate it up and make it look really nice for the other ladies who'll come and sit at that table. So if you would stop by the table, the, uh, Christmas tea table outside and say, I'd be willing to host the table and set it up. And uh, Annabelle would appreciate that. And so would I. And also, if you haven't received your tickets, if you haven't gotten your tickets yet, go ahead and stop and get those. Let me do this right now. Um, we had some folks attend our new members class. And so we're, uh, we're so glad when that happens and always glad to welcome new people and people who get baptized. So uh, Robert Gilchrist became a member having professed uh, faith in Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, having been baptized in the past and has been, a, in fact, a pastor. So, Ro uh, Robert, would you come on up here and get your member certificate? Right. <laughs> and remain standing right up here if you would, sir. So this was Robert. So get to know him. After church, shake his hand, ask him for a loan, uh, you know, whatever you need to do. <laughs> yeah. Joseph, Joseph, Alec, come on up here. This is Joseph. Follow his Lord and Believer's baptism and attended the membership class. Craig Morgan is back from the great duck hunt back in uh, upstate New York, I think it was, right? All right. How many ducks did you shoot? Just one. Was it Daffy? No, there you go. All right, Craig. God bless you. And Emma Tindall, Emma also became a member last week. Is Emma here today? Okay, we'll get it to her later on. And then Leah Avery. I know Leah's here. Come on down. And also a new member here at First Baptist Church. <clears throat> Leah, God bless you. And turn around and stand right here just for a moment. And uh, we're so thankful. And we want you all to know that we, as a church, want to be here for you. Whatever you need, whatever we can do, we want to be an encouragement. We want to be a help. We want to be a blessing to you. We want you to be a blessing to the body of Christ here locally as well. So we are family. And I thank God for you. If you're glad for their decision, would you say amen? Amen. Or clap, whatever. God bless you guys. Thank you. Go ahead and be seated. Also, the bulletin article this week, to worry means to give way to anxiety or unease. That's why I said that song was perfect. Uh, <clears throat> it means to give, give way to anxiety or unease, to allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. The etymologies, the origins of words, are sometimes fascinating. Certainly, the etymology of the word worry is one of those. Our English word worry came from an old English word. I'm not sure I can pronounce it. It looks like wagon, which means to strangle. It's of West Germanic origin. In Middle English, the original sense of the verb gave rise to the meaning seized by the throat and tear. Isn't that amazing? The things you learn at church, you know, <laughs> seized by the throat and tear. Later, figuratively, to harass, from which came the phrase to cause anxiety. Recently, I was taking a health supplement capsule that got stuck in my throat. Talk about irony. Supplement's supposed to make you healthier, and it got stuck in my throat, and I couldn't breathe. After about a half hour, I finally got Pat to call the paramedics, and after a total of two and a half hours, the capsule either went up or down. I don't know. I don't really care, but it was gone, and I was able to breathe freely again. The idea of being seized by the throat and torn is pretty unsettling after my, by comparison, very tame experience. So based on the meaning of the word and its etymology, I've determined not to worry. Hopefully after today's message, you will come to the same conclusion. And the Bible is very, it's so practical. It tells us not to worry in several different ways and several different illustrations. And that's what the text is about uh, from today's Sermon on the Mount uh, message. So. Let's go ahead and stand and let's sing out. And if you can't sing very well, don't worry. <laughs> don't be filled with anxiety. Don't let anyone grab you by the throat and tear. Just keep on singing. Here we go. We worship the Lord.
Amen. Thank you, praise team. Thank you so much. We appreciate that. All right, I'm going to ask you to be seated. I'm going to ask the young parishioners, kiddos, boys and girls, come on down to the front for just a moment before you go to class. I want to talk to you about something very, very important, I think. And then uh, everyone else can turn to Matthew chapter 6 in your Bible. Let me see how many have Bibles. That's not the Bible. How many have Bibles? Let me see your hand. Let's see them. Okay, you got them on your devices. You got them in your uh, in the leather and, and paper. Okay. All right, boys and girls, I want to talk to you about something very, very important that you hear a lot about but sometimes gets mixed up. I'm going to talk to you about love. How many of you are in love? <laughs> Not a single hand. <laughs> All right. How many of you love ice cream? I don't have any, I'm sorry. <laughs> How many of you love your mom and or dad and both of them? Okay, all right, good. Everybody, 100% on that one. How many of you love God? Okay, 100% on that one. So you know what? There are different kinds of love. And, and oddly enough, in the languages that the Bible was written in, there are different words for different kinds of love. And there'd be a different word for loving ice cream or hot dogs, or hamburgers, or tacos, vanilla flavor, chocolate flavor. There's a certain kind of love. I love that ice cream because it's so good. But there's another kind of love when you're talking about your mom and dad because they gave you life, and they take care of you, and they meet all your needs, and they protect you, and they have a place for you to stay. And, and so that's a, different, that's a much different kind of love. You can do without ice cream. You can't do without your mom and dad. And then the other thing is, Love for God, which is the highest, amazing kind of love there is. So I made a little, a little thing here. And how many of you think this is okay as far as your love for God, that this, this is how much you should love him? How many think this is good? Got a thumbs down on it. Holy cow. This is a tough crowd here. Okay, so that one's not good? Okay, okay. Well, I got another one here. How about, how about this one right here? What do you think? No, still good. Oh, my goodness. Well, how about this one right here? All right, thumbs up all the way around. And this says, Deuteronomy 6, 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all of it, every bit of it. So we love God most of all, and we love our parents because they are our caretakers, and they're our moms and dads and the one who gave us life. So always, always, always love God this way. Not this way, okay? All right, let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd be with these boys and girls now, and I pray that you would help them to learn what the teachers have to teach them and that they would retain it and that it might make a difference in their eternal lives. In Jesus' name we pray, and all the boys and girls said, amen. God bless you. Go ahead and go to your classes. Thank you so much for being in God's house today. In Matthew chapter 6, but before we get there, we have a special guest here uh, and, uh, and a special ministry. You probably saw the special van out front, and that's an amazing tool. And we have some representatives from uh, the ministry, Silent Voices, that we've helped support through the years, not only here but at the other church uh, where I was for a long time. So uh, if, if Delia would come up here, and would you welcome her? She's going to share a little bit with you about what they do at Silent Voices. There you go. Hello, everyone. Uh, yes, my name is Delia, and I brought that purple van. I drove it. Can you imagine that? <laughs> but um, it is a testament to what um, your support has helped us with so much because that van is a Mercedes Sprinter van, you guys. That's a luxury van that we are utilizing to help women see the life inside the womb and to make a difference in their own lives, to change their perception of what that miracle is in the womb choosing life for themselves, but also we have an opportunity to help them choose life in Christ. So this isn't just showing about a pregnancy test or an ultrasound. It's changing their spiritual life as well, giving them the opportunity to hear the word of God, to minister to them, to encourage them to draw closer to him. So we are so grateful for the churches being able to um, participate with us in having that mobile out there. But the, one of the reasons we do this coming to the churches is to let you know about what we do, but also to let you know that your support really is important because, like I said, that's a Mercedes Sprinter van. It's not cheap. Um, so we have so many things that we have to do to make sure that that is staying out on the road, 
providing the care that we need for our clients. And we serve all of the South Bay area, one pregnancy center. So there's a large area that we need to take it out to. So I'm just gonna share one thing that we need for that mobile, which is if you go and see the front of the mobile, you'll see a big thing that the sun did damage to the mobile and that needs to be fixed. We want our women when they see it to be like, oh, this is an amazing place, not a rundown mobile. Um, so there's a wrap that needs to be changed it's going to cost us about $2,000 just to change that out that forehead of the mobile. So I'm letting you know about that. But the other thing I want you to know about is that we have more services than just pregnancy testing and ultrasound. We are serving moms with their children at any stage. So parenting classes, pregnancy classes, um, we serve dads. So we are looking for volunteers to help us with reaching out for those moms and dads. Um, we need volunteers to help with driving the mobile. Um, so we're looking for men for that as well. And teaching you how to reach women and men who are dealing with these um, situations here within the church, um, we do a class, it's called Making Life Disciples. There's so many programs that we have to offer, and most people don't know about all of them. So I encourage you to come and meet us at the table, learn more about what we're doing, come and see inside the mobile, see what, how luxurious it is for them and what an impact it has for them. Thank you. Thank you, Delia. Appreciate that. God bless you. All right. What a tremendous uh, ministry that is. And I, the reason I wanted the children to not be here, I just wanted to say that Hamas is not the only one burning babies alive and beheading them. Abortionists do that routinely. And yet, Hamas has got our attention, and abortions still continue. So it's time that we Christians with a Christian worldview take a stand and say, you know what? Abortion is absolutely wrong, and life is what God gives and what he wants those little babies to have. Far better to have that baby and let someone adopt it who will love it and who will take care of that baby and see it into adulthood than to just get rid of an inconvenience. So uh, thank you, Deliah, for what you all do there, and God bless you. You have to have, is it a registered nurse that travels with it? Or, okay, so they have to have someone who's registered nurse, obviously, go around and take care of uh, doing what they do. So uh, pray for them, and we're happy to have a part in Silent Voices Ministry and have for many years. Last week, we spoke of real righteousness as the only just way to live. Uh, by the way, Jesus had no sin of his own, so he took ours upon himself, just as we had no righteousness of our own, but we take his upon ourselves because he gives it to us by grace through faith. Living in God's righteousness is the only way that our righteousness is going to exceed the righteousness of the pious Pharisees who thought they were somehow in the same neighborhood with God. To do that, we got to get our minds right, our hearts right, everything right about us. So how do we do that? In Matthew chapter 6, as the Lord is continuing through this incredible, uh, I mean, fact-packed, not fat, fact-packed, that's hard to say, chapter uh, in the, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, he starts out with, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, having a single heart. He says, lay not up for yourselves. Don't store up for yourselves, in other words, treasures or wealth, metaphorically, spiritual treasures pertaining to the mind or to everlasting life. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where literal moth and rust Corrosion does corrupt, eat away, and make disappear, and where thieves break through to steal. And the word for thieves there you might find interesting is kleptus, kleptus, which is we get kleptomaniac, someone who says they can't help it, they just steal, um, and, and that's a, it's a Greek word, uh, where thieves break through and steal. They, they used to keep their, their money at home. They used to keep their valuables. Sometimes they would have them in a wall, in a, a secret place in a wall, and people would literally break through uh, these, these clay houses, the walls of a house, uh, clay and earth, and, and steal what was laid up there. But So don't lay up for yourselves treasures on the earth where these things can happen to them, but rather lay up for yourselves treasures or riches in heaven where neither moth nor rust does corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For, listen to this, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And there's a transition here for where your treasure is, where the word war, uh, your rather, comes, uh, changes from plural to singular. So it's a, an emphasis on the individual 
indicating a personal application for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The heart of your desire, your feelings, and your affections. So another word for single-heartedness is wholeheartedness. We're to love God with our whole heart, not just part of our heart, even if it's a big part of our heart, but we're to love God with our whole heart. So uh, the heart of man is a divided thing at this point in time and this point in history. Um, the Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence. And it has the idea of, of, of it being guarded, uh, being kept in a secure place like a safe and, and you've got to guard up for out of the heart are the issues of life. Deuteronomy 6.5, I read a little while ago, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, the Lord says unto Samuel, don't look on the appearance of David's brothers, but rather on, nor on the height or the statue, because I have rejected them. For the Lord sees not as man sees, but the Lord looks on the heart, the innermost part of who you really are. So lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth. What do we prize? What do you prize? What do you treasure? What's really the thing that has your eye, that has your mind, that has your heart more than anything else? You may not be able to figure it out. You may not be able to put your finger on it right away, but I will tell you how you can figure it out. Get your checkbook out. Get your calendar out. What do you spend your time doing? What do you spend your money on? Those things will be indicators at what your treasures are and where your treasures are. Are they in hobbies? Are they in sports? Are they in partying? Seems like some people just live from one party to the next. That's what they live for. Are, are, is it to have more, to accumulate more? How much do you need? Uh, the famous answer to that is just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Or is it worship? Is it God's house? Is it going to church? Is it doing the things that God would have us to do? This world will take you away as much as possible from the house of God. I want you to know that. So it'll do things on Sunday mornings. It drives me crazy. Used to, Sunday mornings were sacrosanct, right? They, they, were, they were special. They were protected. That was a time for worshiping God. I even go back a few more years than that, the, the blue laws in a lot of states where you couldn't buy. You couldn't go to the stores and buy things. They either weren't open or if they were open because of a certain kind of a store, there were things they could not sell because of the blue laws because it was the Lord's Day. It's the first day of the week. Well, we've come a long way, baby. We have. We've come a long way, and it's not been a good direction either. So now everything competes with God. And I want to tell you something. I, I think about this uh, January the 9th, 1966. If I had not been in church, would I have surrendered my life to ministry? That may have been a pivotal day for me. I mean, it was a pivotal day, but it may have not been a pivotal day that I could, that I would have had at some other time, some other juncture, some other point in time, the Holy Spirit working on my heart, the preacher preaching the Word of God, me being in God's house, listening to the man of God preach the Word was, the, was what the, the catalysts were that brought me to the point of surrendering my life to full-time ministry. And I think if that hadn't happened and it hadn't happened right then, I think of the things, all of the dominoes that would fall in throughout my life, and, I, and it, it terrifies me where I might be, what I might be doing if it were not for being in. I'm just saying, I, Sunday is, is God's day. I, you say, well, preacher, you're the preacher. You've got to be there. You know what? There's no double standard with God. We're supposed to be here. We're supposed to be in God's house. So, so many of us treasure what will be lost at some point in time, which, what will be uh, it'll be gone instead of that which is secure and eternal and forever. By the way, the prosperity gospel is not the true gospel. This idea of if you give to the church or you give to me, you're going to get wealthy, uh, that's not scripture. That, the, Jesus had not where to lay his head. It indicated he had no permanent place of residence. He had no uh, great wealth. He had a seamless robe, and that was about it. Um, God didn't call us to be rich. God calls us, calls us to be saved, which is of far greater value, by the way. Give me all the money in the world. It's not going to do me any good when I turn my toes up and leave this world. Give me Jesus, and I'll be rich for eternity because he means that much to me. This doesn't mean we're to be negligent in business. doesn't mean we're to be careless in handling our resources. It means we're not to be 
materialistic. What does the word materialistic mean? Excessively concerned with material possessions, money-oriented. All earthly riches will pass away. Solomon was the richest guy who ever lived in his day. Guess what? He died and left it all behind. And his sons messed around with it and, and didn't do a lot of good with it. So if you want to get even with your kids, spend it all before you die. Yeah. <laughs> Heavenly riches endure forever. Earthly riches will disappear. So have this singleness of heart. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So then the second point is single eye in Matthew 6, 22. Now what in the world does that mean, single eye? How can you have a single eye? You know, we have two eyes. God gave us two eyes. The, in verse 22, the light of the body is the eye. And, and the lamps in the Bible, the candlesticks in some translations, those were really oil lamps. Uh, they were trying in 1611 with the King James to, to bring the idea of light uh, in the translation, and so they would use candlesticks uh, when it went, talked about producing light because that's what they used in the 1600s. But in the day that this was written, in uh, the first century A.D., uh, they were using oil lamps. So the, the oil lamp of the body is the eye, and the Greek word there is, is ophthalmos. If therefore your eye be single, and what does that mean? If your eye be single, your whole body be full of light. It means here, uh, it's a word that refers to the fact there's no disease in your eye, no glaucoma in your eye, no, um, there's several different kind of, no astigmatism, no, uh, no lack of ability to focus properly, no nearsightedness, no farsightedness. It's a, the ability to be able to see uh, clearly, no disease, no double vision. Some say the word also means generous. If the body, if the, the, the eye is generous, healthy or whole, then your body will be full of light. But if your eye is evil, in an active sense means which corrupts others, evil disposed, malevolent, um, uh, malignant, and, and wicked, uh, some say even covetous, then your whole body will be full of darkness. So how's your eye? How's your spiritual eyesight? Uh, in effect, they're blind to spiritual truths if they're full of darkness. If someone Therefore, if that light is, is in you, be darkness. How great is the darkness. No man can serve two masters. Can't be a slave or a bondservant to two different individuals. For he will, he will hate the one, and the word for hate there is the opposite of godly love, agape love, and the one and will love the, the other, or else he will hold to, cleave to the one, and despise or reject the other. You cannot be a bondservant to God and mammon, wealth, possessions, and specifically, the God of materialism cannot be your master and God be your master at the same time. It is the eye that is the organ that allows light to come in. If the eye is healthier whole, then all matter of physical actions will be easier and, and better. If the eye is diseased, then life can be much more complicated. I watched a, I don't know if it was a, a Facebook, if it was true or not, because you don't know, everything on Facebook is not necessarily true. Uh, but there were these two guys shooting baskets at a, at, on a court, and a guy was walking by with a cane and was supposed to be blind, right? And so they brought him over, and they went through this elaborate thing of, you know, how many paces away from them, and he'd raise his cane up, and, and they'd make a noise, and he'd hear it, and, and they were trying to prep him for being able to shoot a free throw as a blind individual. And so it went through a rather elaborate time, and, and finally he did shoot it, and it went in. Can you imagine trying to shoot three free throws without being able to see? Can you imagine trying to shoot a nine millimeter without being able to see? That would be interesting. Can you imagine? We had at our other church, we had uh, a couple, the husband and the wife were both unseeing, unsighted, blind, and they had children. And my wife was always, she always says, your baby's crying. How can you tell if it's injured? or bleeding, or hurt, or how can you do the things, that, the, the normal routine tasks for a little baby that you need to do without that baby being able to communicate to you, they're too young, and you not being able to see. How much more difficult would it be? And so if the eye, spiritual eye, is diseased, then how much more difficult is life for us? A lot more difficult, because then instead of light in our life, there's darkness there. A guy named Filson comments, if a man divides his interest and tries to focus on both God and possessions, he has no clear vision and will live without clear orientation or direction. 
life not focused on God's claim and command is lost in spiritual darkness. Of course, what's more important than our physical sight is our spiritual sight. Being able to see things from a spiritual vantage point. A healthy eye of the soul means enlightened living. It means we have a Christian worldview. A Christian worldview. You as a child of God ought to have a Christian world. You ought not look at things the same way the world looks at them. When we look at that van out there, we see the opportunity for life. We see the opportunity for some young lady maybe uh, struggling with a decision, not understanding that that baby within her is a real baby. It's just a matter of size. It's a matter of location. It's a baby. Uh, when we see that, we see there's hope maybe that some little baby will live. Others see it and they say, that's terrible. You're going to bring these babies into the world. They're not wanted and they're not able to be cared for. And, and that's, not a, that's cruel, unusual. We need to go ahead and terminate the pregnancy as opposed to kill the baby. If they said what it really is, it would make a difference, I believe. But we have a Christian worldview. We see things differently than non-Christians see things. When that light is missing, there's darkness in its place. I don't know if we can get a better illustration of that darkness than in Hamas right now. The cruelty, the incredibly horrendous acts of uh, barbarism, uh, they go beyond. I, 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 my first reaction was that that's, that's like... You know, that's something animal will do. And then I thought, no, animals are not that depraved. Animals don't do those things. It's demoniac. And I mean that literally. I mean demons have entered into some of these people and are causing them to do things that are just too awful and too horrendous to even say in a public place. It's just satanic stuff because their eye is not healthy and their world is full of darkness. And, and if they're connected with a religion that encourages the extermination of another people, they got, you got a wrong religion there. Christianity doesn't tell us to destroy any other faith. Christianity tells us to evangelize, to encourage, to preach the gospel, to love people, even to love our enemy, right? One cannot, that's a strong word, cannot serve God and materialism because ultimately materialism goes back to the God of this world. You will love one and hate the other. We're to be bond servants, which, is a, which means slave. Sounds a little softer, doesn't it? Bond, are you a, yeah, I'm a bond servant to my wife. I'm a bond servant. In reality, I'm a slave to this woman's <laughs> love. Uh, so I am a slave. So, uh, so we're, we're slaves to Jesus, fully owned by God, not partially, fully owned by God. So we have the single heart and the single eye, and then we have a single mind in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought. Well, first of all, therefore, since we're not able to serve God and mammon, he's, he's coming right from the previous thought. Therefore, since we can't choose both, uh, Jesus said, take no thought. Don't have any anxious care. Don't be troubled. Don't be worried for your life. And the word there for life is suke, which means to breathe. Uh, it's, it's the word that we use for soul, the immaterial part of a human being held in common with animals in this sense. Uh, animals can sense that they're alive. They sense they have life. They, uh, they, they have, I think, emotions. I think uh, animals can be sad. I think animals can be happy. Uh, I got two puppies, and I, I can tell when they're happy. I can tell when they're sad. Um, and, and so this, this, some people believe in, in dichotomy. So the, there's this view of man as consisting with two parts or substances, the material part, which is the body, and the spiritual part, uh, which, or the soul, which is immaterial. Um, trichotomists, on the other hand, are people who view Man is consisting of two parts or substances, but with spirit and soul representing in some context a, a subdivision of the immaterial. So, so I'm a trichotomist. I believe we have body, soul, spirit. I believe we have body, physical part of us. I believe we have soul, a life, awareness, a mind, will, and emotions. I believe we have a spirit which can know God, which is dead until we get born again. So uh, 
uh, I believe in those three. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.13, the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, take no thought. Don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, nor what you should put on. Is not the life more important than food? Isn't your life itself more important than food? And the body more important than the clothing that it wears? Behold, and he gives an illustration, behold the fowls of the air. Look at the birds. They neither sow, nor do they reap, nor gather in their barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. I, I went to the San Cedro feed store and bought four big sacks of wild bird seed and uh, 80 bucks for four big bags of seed. And they'll, the, the, these birds line up on my fence, freeloaders that they are, and they wait. And, and I think, yeah, God feeds them. He feeds them through me. I take the seed out there and put it on the patio and put it in the bird seed holder and they come, they line up and then uh, they eat the seed. And then I, I'm a I got two hummingbird feeders going and I can't keep them full. They, it's about a gallon a day uh, that they take care of. Uh, but you, you know what? God's, they, don't, they didn't plant anything. They didn't harvest anything. Uh, but yet they, and they didn't reap anything, but, but yet they, God feeds them. And so he says, Jesus said, are you emblematic of a greater value than birds? Not much better than they. Aren't you more important than the birds? Of course you are. Which of you, by taking thought or worrying about it, can add one cubit? Now, what's a cubit? I'm not talking about ice cubits. Uh, what's, what's a cubit? It's the distance from the tip of the finger to the, to the elbow. So that's a pretty big difference there. So which of you can, uh, by thinking or by worrying about taking thought, add one cubit unto your stature? And so there are two schools of thought here. Someone said, well, it's not really talking about a 21 inches. It's talking about add a day or a minute or an hour or a year or six months to your life, uh, adding to your life. Others say, no, it's, it's talking about adding to your, your stature, your height. Um, you can't do it. It, it. You can worry all you want to. It's not going to increase your height. And why take you thought, again, why do you worry about your, your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. Here's another example. Look at the, look at the wildflowers. Go out to the desert at the right time of year in the spring and look at the wildflowers. It's beautiful. It's like a carpet. No one planted those. No one watered them. No human being did. God planted them. God watered them. God caused them to germinate. God caused them to grow. God caused them to be beautiful. Consider the lilies. They grow not, they toil not, they don't spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow's cast in the oven. Yeah, they're gone in a hurry, aren't they? These beautiful flowers, you wait for them, you wait for them, you wait for them, boom, they're there, and then boom, they're gone. And you gather them up and they burn them as fuel. They're, they go quickly and they go quickly as fuel because they don't burn very long. Uh, but if he's concerned about these flowers, uh, how much more do you think he's concerned about you and clothing you? Oh, ye of little faith. That's not a compliment. Oh, ye of little faith. Oh, ye who worry all the time. I've got one finger I'm pointing this way and three of them I'm pointing back this way and a thumb who doesn't know which way to go. But... Oh, ye of little faith, why do we worry? Why ever do we worry? Therefore, I don't know how many times he says it here. I should have counted them. Take no thought or don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal, how shall we be clothed? For, the, uh, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Uh, these are things that, that those that are outside of the covenant uh, hunger for and worry about them, but don't you worry about them, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. So here it is. You got anxiety on one hand, you got trust on the other. You got worry over here, you got faith over here. You got uh, the, the concerns of life over here, you've got the promises of God over here. Which will it be, anxiety or trust? Jesus lived in a time when food shortages were much worse than it ever has been for us in America, now there are countries who've, who had horrible food shortages and, and mass famines that certainly have been. Uh, and war causes all kinds of problems where food supplies and so on. Um, 
Worry is pointless. Trust is well-based. We're the children of the sovereign God. Children of God who owns everything. The cattle on a thousand hills, and someone said he owns the hills too. They belong to him as well. So this attitude of trusting removes people from a preoccupation with our own worldly concerns. Trusting God. The birds don't engage in agriculture, plowing, planting, harvesting, but they are not idle. You know that? They go looking for food. They come to my backyard. Yeah. And if, it's, if I didn't feed them that day, they go somewhere else because they got to eat, right? So they're not just sitting around twiddling their talons. They're, they're, they're doing what they need to do to make sure of, of feeding themselves, to make sure they have shelter, to make sure they have nesting uh, place for their young to make sure that, so they, they work continuously to find the things that they need. Then Jesus mentions the, follow, the folly of worrying in order to increase one's height or length of days, whichever one it is. I had uh, on my dad's side, my grandparents on my dad's side, my granddad was six foot five inches tall, six feet five inches. From the time I can remember, I said, man, I want to be like you, dad. Granddad, I want to be tall like you. My grandmother was four feet ten inches. <laughs> my grandmother's genes messed me up big time. <laughs> but you know, all that thinking about it, all that worrying about it, all I, at night, I can remember as a little kid, I'd stretch. Try to make myself taller. says you can't, it, it won't add a day to your, li- your life. It won't add an inch to your height. But worry all you want to. It's not going to do any good. Last of all, Jesus turns to worry over clothing. Some clothing, of course, is necessary, but being anxious over it, obsessing over it is not a good idea. And the wildflowers are the testimony he uses there. The fourth thing is single focus. In Matthew 6, Here's the single focus we're to have. Here, oh, look, how many of you are in the Navy? Let me see your hands. Okay. How many of you are in a business, local business of some kind? Let me see your hands. How many of you are retired? Let me see your hands. I hate you. Uh, <laughs> what is it you focus on most of your time? I'm going to give you something that Jesus gave us to focus on. Seek you first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This kingdom of God was a term used by the other evangelists, Matthew, Mark, uh, uh, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, and, and it's thought to be identical to the kingdom of heaven, though there's some discussion about that. Matthew's usual choice, referring to the sovereign rule of God, is what he calls the kingdom of God. So seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right or just living, and all these things, what things? Food, drink, clothing, all these things will be added unto you. If you what? Seek first the kingdom of God. Take therefore no thought. Here it is again. Don't worry. Don't be angry. You think he's trying to hammer this point home? Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of the thoughts of itself, sufficient unto the days the evil thereof, the trouble thereof, the conflict thereof, the affliction thereof. If we learn to seek first the kingdom of God, we will not obsess or be anxious about personal desires or needs. Kingdom of God, focus on that. I've been praying, Lord Jesus, come back. Come back. You know what? The players are all there, right? You got, you got Russia, king of the north. You got the... 200 million strong army, the Asian army to the east. You've got, um, you've got the, the, I don't know who the Antichrist is. I've got an idea. But I don't know who the Antichrist is. You've got the king of the south. You've got the, 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 some of the, the Arab countries that would perhaps uh, try to open up a front there. Uh, I, I don't know. But the players are there. And one of these days, Israel is going to be a nation saved as in a day. A nation's going to be converted. And the only way nations get converted is when the individuals of those nations confess their sins, repent of their sins, and ask Jesus to come to their hearts and lives and be their Savior. So a king, kingdom refers to king, infers a king. A king infers authority and rules. 
uh, and we're, we're not to seek our own righteousness, but we're to seek God's righteousness. And if we do this, all the needs will be provided and there's no need for anxiety. Therefore, don't worry, be happy, right? Who was that, the Mad Magazine? Don't worry, be happy. If the tomorrow will take care of the things of itself, doesn't mean we should worry tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow I'll worry. Doesn't mean that. It means worry must always be delayed. When it comes to worry, be a procrastinator. I'm not going to, because most things you worry about are later on, right? I'm not real worried right now. If I think a little bit about stuff, I could think of things to be worried about in a week or two or a month or two or a year or two, but I'm not worried right now. A lot of stressors have to do with the future, so refuse to take thought for or worry about or be anxious for the future, and you will do very little worrying. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. So what have we learned today? We can either serve Almighty God or we can serve the God of materialism. We cannot serve both. We will love one and hate the other or cling to one and despise the other. Which will it be for you? My encouragement, invest in heaven. Number two, have a Christian worldview that will bring light and scatter darkness. Have no fellowship with darkness. Now, no, look, there's a great controversy, and I understand it, and I have respect for both sides. There's great controversy about Halloween, and I personally um, have wrestled with this for 50 years of being in ministry. Well, actually, the first several years, it wasn't that much of an issue. As a youth pastor, it, it, didn't seem to be, it didn't seem to be as dark. It didn't seem to be as weird as it is now. Nobody decorated their houses for Halloween back in those days. It was like, what? Why, why, why would you do that? I've got some new neighbors who moved in. They got all these bizarre things in their front yards with chainsaws and, uh, I, I mean, grabbing little kids. And uh, it's like, stay away from all that kind of stuff. Stay away from all of the satanic and, and demonic activity. Stay away from the blood and, the, and, the, and body part. People putting body parts out in their yards in my neighborhood. You walk around, it's like, you. Yeah, my, my dog's looking at me and go. <laughs> Even my dogs have more sense than some of my neighbors, you know? It's crazy. So what do we, so why are we doing anything? Why do we have a fall festival? Here's why we have a fall festival, because we're going to serve a thousand people hot dogs out here. We're going to give them Bibles. We're going to give them tracts. We're going to try to, we're going to try to take what has turned into a satanic thing and make it something for God. So that's why I say, don't dress up. like don't have blood run down your, you know, your both sides drooling down your chin. Don't, don't do that. Uh, dress up as, you know, Bible character or as President Biden or I don't, something. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Uh, that's scary, isn't it? Yeah, don't do that. Uh, okay, so just, but, but have, no, have nothing to do with darkness. Ouija boards, no. Fortune telling, no. Horoscopes, no. The Bible's clear on that. Stay away from that kind of stuff. Number three, don't worry about your needs. As children of God, he will provide for us. Worry doesn't feed us. Worry doesn't clothe us. Number four, make first things first. Seek God and his kingdom, and his righteousness, and that's the only way our righteousness will exceed that of the Pharisees. Next week, Lord willing, Sermon on the Mount, part 10, to judge or not to judge. You want to be here for that. Also, we'll have Holy Communion. And now, in a moment, we're gonna, I'm going to ask the praise team to come. We're going to have an invitation, an opportunity. If you need to come and receive Christ as your Savior, we want you to have that opportunity right now. If you'd like to come and say, how do I become a member? We could take care of telling you that. If you want to come and ask for prayer, some specific prayer, you come. But whatever it is, you come as, as we stand together as we worship the Lord in a gospel song. Uh, silent voices will have their van out here. Stop at their table. Uh, have a part in what they're doing. It's money well worth it. Stop at the Christmas tea table, ladies. Sign up to be that host of the last table and get your tickets. We'll have a trustee meeting right over here, and we'll have teacher worker meeting right here. And you three who volunteered to move round tables out here, just put them down here toward the front and chairs around them. But first of all, let's take care of business with God. Father, we ask you now to speak to our hearts to cause us to do what you would have us to do, to say what you'd have us to say, to be what you'd have us to be. God, we pray. Lord, I, I know that in this congregation, 
I know there are people who have spent time worrying. I know that I've done that myself. And Lord, I know that it's wrong. I know you don't want us worrying. You want us trusting. And so God, I pray that you would help us, that you, Holy Spirit, would be that comforter, that called alongside one who would help us to uh, trust you in no matter what the circumstances are to meet our every need, we pray. Blessing this invitation, Lord. It's open for anyone. I pray that we would do what you'd have us to do right now. In Jesus' name, amen. As they sing, would you come? We'll pray with you right down here. Come on. Let's sing it a little faster, okay? A little faster. Deliah, if you'd go ahead and go out to the van and check it out, check out the table there, stop and talk to them, let them know you pray for them, and then be sure to pray for them. And teachers, workers, we'll meet in here, we'll get those tables in right away. Your food, I think, has already been delivered, so as soon as they get the table set up, you can go ahead and start eating lunch, and Laura will have teacher worker meeting. In five minutes, trustees, meet over in this adult class right over here. God bless you, may he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace today. Pray for the peace of Israel. Thank you.